0: The First Butterfly, Episode 26. A novel written by Jason Calibre, narrated by Chris Vander. Chapter 25. Keith hunted for fortune-telling establishments along Santa Monica Pier and business buildings overlooking the beach. His search turned up nothing. Not wanting to give up, he drove further inland. The sun burned away the morning haze and beat down relentlessly on his car. In response, he turned the air conditioner to maximum. This barely countered the afternoon heat. After hours of uncomfortable searching, he stumbled across a house. Situated in the middle of a long stretch of residences. This section of town resembled something from television's golden age. A line of tall palm trees stretching into the sky bordered the street on either side. Flower lined walkways bisected immaculately manicured lawns in every front yard, including the faded yellow house that caught Keith's attention. Someone in the fifties would have called it modern. The front yard even contained a pair of plastic pink flamingos. Most importantly, A window in the front held a flashing neon sign advertising palm readings for $45. Keith slowed the car, and that was when he spotted Gina walking towards the house. She noticed Keith and shot him a look that could melt bricks. In response, he pretended not to notice and drove away, but he kept circling back. He had driven past the place six times when his cell phone rang. The glance told him it was Brian, and he pulled into a liquor store's parking lot.
1: Everything's in place,
0: Brian began, without so much as a hello. What about Lady?
1: She's now Fiona. You'll be proud of the makeover I gave her, too, you old queen. Is everything ready with Castle Lake? Keith decided to ignore
0: Brian's comment.
1: Done. Phil gave me an attitude because girl's not off the servers, but I pointed out it won't matter in a couple days anyway. It took some talking, but he gave his
0: approval. Thanks. Keith ended the call and returned to the house. A small, thin, middle-aged woman met him at the door. She was sporting a bleach-blonde crew cut and wearing a business suit tailored in creamy shades of white. With a large smile, she reached into a pocket and pulled out a business card with one hand while extending the other.
2: Name's Shirley Madison. This is my establishment. I knew you'd be visiting.
0: She talked rapid fire, in a tempo almost too fast for Keith to follow. Keith! He shook her hand while resisting the reflex to hand her a card of his own.
1: Did your psychic powers tip you off?
2: What? Oh, no, not that. The fact that you kept driving past told me you'd be back. So what do you want? Palm red, future told. I can sense your stress. Concerns regarding your future, maybe. I can help with that. Nice suit, by the way.
1: Actually, I stopped by to see Gina. I gather she works here now?
0: Keith took a step towards the door, and Shirley moved slightly to block his progress. That'll be ninety-five dollars. She held out her hand.
1: Ninety-five just to talk? I can get my palm read for half that.
0: Keith pointed to the sign.
2: Palm reading is easy. Talking to the dead's a challenge. You're lucky.
0: Since you know her, I'm giving you a discount. She stared at him. Will you take a check? Keith decided. He had no desire to waste time haggling. We don't accept checks, but we do take credit cards. "'Why don't
2: you come inside and I'll process that payment? "'I know Madame Regina will love seeing you,' Shirley
0: added with a wink.
2: "'She loves older men. I can tell. Trust me, I'm psychic.'
0: "'Keith followed Shirley through the door into a cluttered cliché. "'Thick red velvet drapes covered the windows. "'A handful of replica Tiffany lamps with low-wattage bulbs "'dimly illuminated the darkly-paneled room.' He breathed in the lingering scent of incense and looked around as his eyes adjusted to the low light level. Beside him, a small cabinet overflowed with tarot cards. Shelves with charms and knick-knacks lined the walls. In the center of the room, a crystal ball sat on a large circular table ringed by five elaborately carved wooden chairs. It took no effort for Keith to imagine Gina rolling her eyes at the psychic kitsch. Shirley plucked the corporate credit card from Keith's hand, and ran the magnetic strip through a card reader produced from somewhere in the recesses of a black cabinet. Keith's mind raced as he tried to come up with some way to justify this expense on a business report and failed. Shirley smiled and handed the card back before standing on her tiptoes and gazing across the room. "'Madame Regina, you have a client waiting,' she yelled at the top of her lungs. A dark door adorned with a black wreath slowly opened to reveal Gina. She was wearing a high-necked Victorian dress with a dozen necklaces spilling down the front. Her brown hair was done up in an elaborate style held together with a string of pearls. Two enormous earrings with peacock feather motifs completed her outfit. She noticed Keith, and then her face turned red as she turned to leave. Wait, I came here to apologize. Keith blurted out. Apologize for what? Gina stopped and regarded him with narrowed eyes.
2: Yeah. Apologize for what? Should I stay? Is he safe?
0: Shirley stopped in the open doorway. You can go. I'm fine. Gina stated flatly. I'm safe. We're safe. He's no danger, at least not to us. Shirley pointed to her eyes and then at Keith. Do anything to hurt her and you'll pay in ways you can't begin to imagine. She said before walking out the front door. I won't touch her. Keith responded as the door shut, and this earned him a glare from Gina. Well... Gina prompted. You were saying...
1: I'm here to apologize for picking on God's girl, all right? Apology accepted. Now go. Look, I need your help so I can talk to her and make things right. I can't do that without you.
0: Gina sat at the table. She removed the necklaces, reached up to unclip her earrings, and unbuttoned the collar of her dress. Then she leaned back, breathed deeply, and exhaled with a sigh of relief. God, that jewelry! Hope you don't mind. The necklaces weigh a ton, and those clip-ons are like having a pit bull
1: clamped to each ear. You know you don't need that costume or those props to impress me. Keith began. And God's girl's not the only reason I'm here. I want to make amends.
0: Don't worry. As long as you've stopped whomping Millicent, we're good.
1: About that.
0: Gina raised an eyebrow.
1: The others haven't stopped yet,
0: Keith admitted. Gina stood up and
1: snatched the jewelry off the table. That's why I'm here. I need to communicate with Millicent. We created a safe place where no player can attack her. I need your help, Keith explained. What do you need me for?
0: You work for the ones who control the game and everything in it.
1: They want to end God's Girl, but I'm convinced that's wrong. But I can't help Millicent unless she allows me. I need to get her cooperation. Please help. Keith's tone softened and became conciliatory. You see, I believe in you. In your ability.
0: Sorry, I can't. Gina set the jewelry back on the table and sank into the chair. Can't or won't? Can't. Gina paused as she reconsidered. Or maybe won't. Either way, it's too risky clean up your own mess.
1: Hold on a second. What's not safe? There certainly didn't seem to be any danger when you put me in touch with my grandmother.
0: It's like this,
1: Gina began.
0: Listening to the dead is easy. Talking to them is the tricky part. When your grandmother talked to you, I kind of had to check out.
1: I don't understand. I wasn't aware of any problems with you channeling my grandmother,
0: Keith responded. As soon as I start channeling the person, I mean the serious two way communication, back and forth type of channeling, what happens is I'm gone. One moment I'm there with someone whispering in my ear, and then I'm not. I stop existing until whoever's doing the talking decides to leave.
1: So, that's a problem with God's girl? I mean, Millicent? Gina
0: looked uncomfortable and took a moment to poke at the jewelry heaped in front of her on the table. Of course it is. She's nice but also dangerous.
1: Gina shrugged. I don't understand. I thought she was just someone playing our game. She's capable of more. What do you mean? Who burned your apartment down? Nobody. It was faulty wiring. Wait a second. How do you know about the fire?
0: The spirits told me. Really? No, dummy. I saw it on TV. It was a big local story. All the stations in L.A. covered it, I could tell it was your place. Oh. So it was the wall wiring. But which wall? Where did it start? I bet if you asked, you'd find out it started somewhere close to the computer.
1: Let me get this straight. You believe a ghost set the fire as some sort of revenge.
0: It's not like the dead can't do anything. They mostly do nothing. But they can. Millicent isn't defenseless.
1: If this is escalating, then it's even more important that I patch things up with her.
0: Keith pointed out. Maybe things are better this way. She's angry with you, not me. I'll be honest. I don't want her mad at me.
1: Look, you care about her.
0: Keith raised his hand to stop an objection.
1: Don't bother denying it. I
0: won't. Picking on her was a dick move.
1: You're right. Help me fix it. What if she doesn't leave? I've given up on forcing her from the game, but things can't continue as they are. I've got to get Millicent off corporate's radar.
0: You don't understand. I had a great aunt. Everyone said a stroke altered her personality, but she had the gift too. And sometimes the ones we channel don't leave. The quiet certainty with which she voiced her concern told Keith it was wrong to talk her into doing this. He crossed a line somewhere. He was not sure where, but he was certain he crossed
1: it. You know what? I'm sorry I brought it up. I really do hope we're good, though. Maybe we can do dinner sometime.
0: Yeah, sure, whatever. Keith rose to leave, and Gina kissed him goodbye. He was halfway to his car when Gina called him from the front porch. Get back here.
1: The last thing I want is to put you in danger,
0: Keith said. I know. That's why I'm doing it. Now come back before I change my mind. She replied before rolling her eyes and giving Keith a smile that was obviously forced. Hang on a sec. Keith ran to his car and pulled his laptop computer out of the trunk. Leave it. Gina replied. I don't need a computer to reach her. Not anymore.
1: I can't help her without it.
0: All right. Bring it in if you have to. But Shirley's crazy mad about clients plugging in their devices. She thinks they're trying to rob her of a million dollars worth of electricity or something. She either has furniture blocking the outlets, or she's removed them. Gina shrugged. Keith cursed under his breath. Thank you for listening to The First Butterfly, Episode 26, Chapter 25. This episode was written and produced by Jason Calibre, featuring the voice talents of Chris Bander and Jay Cal. Cover art for the podcast and ebook provided by Nancy Aphrodite. Theme music, Sun Still Rises, provided by Wanderbeats. Please visit our website, thefirstbutterfly.com, for a complete list of attributions, links, and other information concerning this patio book. You can help support this podcast by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. As always, we wish you all the best and look forward to sharing our next episode with you. Until then, have a wonderful week.